ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diane Time is here. That's right, we are talking about Candyman, 2021's Candyman, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, and that's your old pal Patrick Hamilton coming to you once again from the second city, Chicago. And this is the Kill by Kill podcast where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. Today, we're going to unpack all the goriest of details of the new Candyman in the hopes that a young artist's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person I trust that if we're going to stand in front of a mirror and recite a certain name five times, she'll help me after my throat is slashed by unbuckling her strap from my waist. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I honestly thought you were going to say that I, I would help you finish saying it. And I'm like, <laughs> hell, I would. <laughs> Usually I'm in full agreement with the scenarios you 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 put me up in. And, and then if you, know, if you were to say that, I'm like, man, it's like you don't even know me at all. <laughs> after yet. I told you that after I told you that Ouija board story. Yeah, that's very true. No, that's why I avoided it. I, I zigged on the zag. You know what I mean? Yes, thank you. You're more than welcome. Uh, so every, like once a year or so, we like to take on a, a new film, especially if it's, you know, really anticipated. And it's not our mainstay. It's not like we would like to do, because I, I know for both, both of us, we just saw this movie hours ago. Yes. So it's all very fresh in our mind, but we haven't had time to really ruminate on it necessarily. So these are very fresh takes. We're also going to bifurcate this uh, particular episode into two halves. One will be our general impression for those who have not made it out. Although Candyman did very well this weekend, it's not, there's obvious reasons why not everyone may have been able to rush out and see it right away. So we're going to give you some very general impressions, and then we will let you know that we're going to go into spoiler territory and talk to people who have already seen it, or if you don't mind that we're going to talk about it. Either way is fine, but we're going to allow you that choice. And so, uh, Gina, what was your first impression of this new Candyman? Uh, honestly, my first impression was uh, uh, Yahia Abdul-Mateen mm-hmm. is very nice to look at. Oh, he's super pretty. Very, this, this is a this is a very attractive cast, and he's the most attractive part of it. <laughs> Wait, and there's a lot of people in the running. Like there, there are some real lookers. Like I have a personal, I really love Tayana Paris. I think that she is very engaging in everything she's done previous to this. And I, I find her, uh, she's incredible, but Yahya Abdul-Mateen is <laughs> like, <laughs> at one point someone, it makes a jab that he should, uh, put down the weights and pick up a paintbrush. And I'm like, nah, he's, he's good. He's yeah, there's good. a scene. There's a scene close to the beginning of the movie where he is just wearing boxer briefs, <laughs> yeah. and it had the same reaction in my very not crowded theater. I saw like a noon screening of it, yeah, so it was there too. was maybe like there's maybe like ten other people in the theater, mm-hmm. and it and it was like the scene in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when <laughs> when Brad Pitt takes his shirt off, where you just yeah. you could hear somebody behind me going. Pfft. 
<laughs> a collective uh, clutching of, of virtual pearls, as it were. Yes, yes, it was it was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's great in everything that I've seen him in. Like, oh he's yeah, great he's an excellent. I mean, he's not just easy on the eyes; he's also a very, very good actor. Uh, I know he was described in one review by. A writer who I don't always agree with, but I think she's a very good writer, is being sleepy. And I'm like, uh, we watched very different movies. I I, I couldn't grasp uh, the the jab there. <laughs> like, he's very involved in what is happening here. He's attempting to act a very specific thing out. Now, whether or not that's for you, you should see it to believe it. But I, I, didn't, I didn't find this uh, movie not well acted let's put it that way no 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 and 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 that's in keeping with the original the original you know in in you know in addition to the other things the other aspects of it that really make it stand out it's also yeah i hate to use this phrase considering how long we've been doing this but for a horror movie (laughs) it's 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 very well acted everybody takes their performances very seriously in it They are attempting to do this piece and they are all on the same page. And the only exception to that is something that I will refer to in the spoiler section, but it is minor. And I feel they were all very dedicated to this specific vision. And the one thing I will also say up front is that I think Nia DaCosta as a visual stylist is she, she has a command. She has a point of view and I felt transported by her. I know not everyone necessarily agrees with what her point of view is, but I felt like she was completely in command of the canvas. She went after a mood, and for me, she accomplished it. The way that she framed the kills in this is so good. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know if I'd use the phrase a pleasure to watch, <laughs> but she really gave a lot of thought into doing things a little differently than, than you might expect them to be done. Yes, I agree. And, and I really like that in, in much of the time you can't actually see Candyman. And, and I think that that, that works to very good effect. And I will save one scene in particular if we're talking about spoilers, but there is a, a, a scene that is shot at far range that, that, that I think is so well done and not quite like anything I've ever seen before. I think there's a lot of use of scope in this motion picture. And I think that's something that she's kind of picking up on the, the vibe of the Bernard Rose version of right. Candyman, where he's really trying to blow out everything that you're seeing so that you, you, you get the full scope of where Caprini green is within Chicago the opening credits in particular, I, I, I fell in love with this opening credit sequence. Where right, and, and then, of course, the ending credits is pretty much what they use as the promotional trailer, which was all the, um, the shadow puppetry. Yes. Basically, you know, showing you know, mistreatment of, of black individuals over, over history. Yes. You know, real, real life, not just what happens to the various incarnations of Candyman. Yeah. And I think that's where some people have had, uh, there's a mixed reaction to this. Yeah. Yeah. I I want, you know, I would like us as lily white people to try to tread carefully around that. I agree because 
a lot of the commentary of the film has to do with white commentary on black art. And that definitely means that I can't presume one thing over the other. So I, I will also say that in things where there's a mixed reaction, there's also a chance for you to either, if it's making you react one way or making you react the other the chances are that Candy Wan, Candy Man, Candy Wan, Candy Man will make you react, and that's one of the reasons it's worth it to go to the movies is to garner a reaction. Right, like I, I one hundred percent believe and support the notion of that there is too much media regarding depictions of black people being made to suffer. Yes. Um, and that does tend to be made for a, a white audience. Now, I'm not saying it in a terms of for white audience to enjoy, but to sort of teach white people about the black experience, except the black experience isn't just suffering. Yes. And and I think that that more media needs to depict that the you know, beyond the suffering. Yeah. I do like that. And I think I believe this is in keeping with the original other than um, Helen's friend is that it's only it's only white people who are who are killed in this in this in this version. I also very much appreciate the kind of running gag that only white people are comfortable fucking around with the idea of saying Candyman five times in the mirror. Now, I'm not, <laughs> but I do know that white people but I'm also superstitious Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of white people are not. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a lot of white people are very comfortable in the notion of kind of tempting fate and, you know, risking the possibility that they might, you know, be in danger because they know they're probably going to be okay. Yeah. You know, and that comes from, you know, a lifetime of always being okay. Yeah. And, and being able to go wherever you want and say whatever you want and not put yourself at any real risk of harm. Yeah. Where black people know that's not entirely true. To my mind, I, I felt like Candyman deals with a lot of ideas and some are more successful than others. There may be an overabundance of ideas. Now, I'm not going to tell anyone to tamp down on the idea front, but it is actively going for a lot of things and some are more successful than others. In yeah. my mind, the experience is still elevated by what it does successfully. I think it wants to be a straightforward horror movie. I think it wants to be a folk tale and it succeeds pretty well in that. Yeah. I don't know that we need any more tortured artist movies. (laughs) Now you don't often see that, you know, inter over, over, you know, overlapping into horror. So I, I think that that's an interesting angle. I just don't know if it's necessary. Yeah. Now I realize the whole, it, it is in keeping with, Helen, in the first movie, who was a graduate student, getting you know, obsessed with the story. And so Anthony, the character in this, also gets obsessed with the story. And it comes out, you know, in his artwork. Well, he's a character who has been, you know, using trauma as an experiential thing in his art. And he wants to bring this forth. And he's encouraged to do this mostly by a white power structure. 
they feel like that's what's important, not who he is, but how he's allowed to represent black pain. And right. And then when he, and then when he does, they, they look down on it. Yes. And they, Oh, it's tried. Oh, it's been done before. And it's kind of like, well, it's all this shit is still happening and none of that is discussed and it's all just audience POV. And that is another idea that the movie is playing around with. And so it's, there's a lot. It's a lot for the runtime of the motion picture. I'm always a little leery of when filmmakers have a character in their movie who's a critic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I mean, I don't consider myself a critic. I'm a, I write about movies. I don't have the, the, the knowledge or the experience to call myself a film critic. And I will say that if you're having spent some time on film Twitter, that some critics do to absolutely 100% earn their apps, their, their, their loathsome image. Yes. But I think that directors and screenwriters, maybe not the best people unbiased <laughs> individuals to and I, I i'm actually thinking about you know what I, movie i kept thinking about uh at certain times do you ever see birdman yes of course yeah there is a critic in that who again absolutely loathsome you know doesn't understand or appreciate the 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 art that they profess to write about mm-hmm. and i always when i when i see that sort of thing i always feel like it's the screenwriter just working out some shit yeah, and and it always it always comes off as kind of petty and unnecessary, because obviously, of course, film, of course, screenwriters and directors aren't going to like critics. Of course, they're not. You know why would you? Know, but so you you know if we know you can't write one that is you know well rounded and, and an actual person, and not a symbol, mm-hmm. you probably shouldn't bother. The movie as it is laid out is is sort of um, it, it needs a. a it needs some sort of fulcrum point in order to balance all this stuff, right? In order to teeter from one half to the other. And I think it uses that criticism and that outside point of view, judging black art as the fulcrum point to get from one point in the movie to the other. I don't know that those characters are meant to be fair, well, because. no, but that's the, that's the thing. But the, the one guy they go to dinner with who just looks like Truman Capote, <laughs> I, I had no idea that art dealers were such awful people. I, I, I don't know I anything. Ab- I, I don't know anything about the art world, but I had no idea that art dealers were just absolutely like like awful people. All of them. Just okay, except for Tiana Paris's character. Yeah. And you could tell that she does not actually enjoy being around these people, but it's her job. A job that she's probably not actually very well suited for. Yeah, she's barely tolerating it, and she's becoming less enjoy. She enjoys it less and less the longer it seems to go on. By by the impression that although she has a magnificent apartment, my god! Oh wow, yeah, that apartment. And yet her brother's like, "Oh, I could have gotten you a better deal." I'm like, "A better deal than this?" (laughs) Seems pretty awesome, but okay. What are you gonna give her, Buckingham Palace? I mean, good lord. So let's. Let's put it uh, a, a pin in various things and allow before we allow the uh, audience here to make their choose their own adventure point where if they want to continue on with this into spoiler territory or if they want to pause here and pick it up when they eventually catch Candyman, would you recommend them go out and watch Candyman? Yes. Yeah. I, 
I it's it's there are certain aspects of it I I wish they had done a little differently, but I think that most importantly they did a excellent job of both incorporating. I mean, I guess you could consider it a sequel, but they do a good job of both incorporating the original movie. You know, right down to getting uh, Virginia Madsen to do voiceovers as Helen with her recordings, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty great. And, and you know, well, okay, I don't want to say any more about certain things. But also, it also works as a standalone movie. Yeah. Uh, my, I went to go see it with my daughter uh, who had not seen, I mean, she was familiar with it, but has not seen the original and she had no problem, you know, following along with what was happening and who these people were. And because they they do a good job of reestablishing everything without over-explaining it, which I thought that's that's hard to do. And I, I would, thought that they did a very good job of that. Yeah. I would also I would I would recommend uh going to see Candyman. I think it was this was my first time being in a theater with the public um since the pandemic began. I think the last time I was in the theater was underwater in February of 2020. So um, I ended up catching Invisible Man on on home uh, when it was a rental. Um, yeah, that was one. That was one of the last movies I saw in the theater before everything everything shut down. But I I, had, this is actually this is actually the fourth time I've been in the theater. Since, I had uh, tickets to go, and uh, a friend of ours from from our kids' school it, is tied into the healthcare system, and she said, "Go get groceries now. Go oh God, uh, go today. Don't wait. Go out. That's get a little terrifying. Stuff. If you have plans, you might want to cancel them. <laughs> like really." Uh, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, she was very on the money. She is yet to be not on the money. And that was weighing on me whether or not this was worth a return to the movie theater. But I felt like on a Sunday at 12 p.m. in the largest theater my local theater had, which is fucking gigantic. I was all the way in the back. I really enjoyed my time there. And uh, I would... You know, much like Halloween 2018, I feel like this is mostly, mostly good to great. There's, there's, I don't feel like this is a movie that disappoints because it's not trying. I think there's a lot of trying here and there's a lot of succeeding. I'd rather, I'd rather see a movie that tries a lot and maybe stumbles in a few areas. And I would say, I don't think anything... And I mean, you are right that you know, the reaction to this has been very, you know, either I really loved it or I completely hated it. I've not yeah. seen very much in between. So I, I would rather see a, a movie that that tries a lot and, and stumbles in a few places than just tries for the same old remote you know, the, the same old garbage over and over and over again i mean we are in a really well good to we'll get to this at the end of the episode but we were talking before we started recording about the trailers that we got before this yeah and how they are predominantly horror movies and how everything just looks incredible we are just <laughs> we are just in a really great period we've been in a really great period for about the last five or six years y- yes in in horror just you know people just trying for you know really interesting new approaches to things and, and i feel that this is this is a really interesting approach to to candy and i think it's 
probably about 90% successful to me. Yeah, I would agree. That's exactly where I would put it. Uh, and I don't need uh, films to be perfect. Right. <laughs> it's just not necessary. People have to live beyond the zero and one. Like, <laughs> there are very few perfect movies. And even there, there's wiggle room. Like, go see a good effort. <laughs> Yeah, go, go have a good time. I think Candyman is worth the effort if you feel safe going to a movie theater, if that is something that you're okay with doing. I think this is well worth your time and attention. But most importantly, it is, and it, and as you know, if you've listened to me long enough, this is important. This is a probably key to me. It is made by people who like horror movies. Yes, absolutely. Um, so if you haven't seen Candyman, this is where you can pause. Um, or you can delete it and then re-download it so you can amp up our numbers. Either one is fine. We, we're, we're not going to encourage you to do that, but if no. you want to do that, that's but okay. If you feel that's what's necessary for you, you feel free to do that. The rest of you who have listened, or have listened, have listened to five years of the podcast and want to hear a spoil movie you've been anticipating, uh, if, if the rest of you who have already watched it or you don't care about spoilers, we're going to continue from now on. This is your spoiler warning. Okay. Um, I found the inclusion of aliens in this very odd, and <laughs> I'm not sure why little green men were hopping all about instead of bees. That was odd. That was a late addition, I guess. I mean, who knew he was, you know, you know under mind control from the Russian government this whole time? <laughs> I, I, I don't know why a certain character became a super spy halfway through this. That was weird that he yeah. had a license to kill. That makes no sense. And you know the 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 special guest appearance by by uh, Paul Hogan as Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I mean, you know, who who saw that? You know, I, I had no idea they really kept that under wraps. I'm not going to say it's not a good joke. It's a great joke, but I'm going to need them to stop if I'm going to rip <laughs> off a TikTok trend. That being said, now that you know all of those things are lies, with the exception of the Hulk Hogan bit, which I again found very hilarious, but incongruous with the importance of the rest of the movie. Let's get into brass tacks of Nia DaCosta's Candyman, co-written by her, Wynne Roosevelt and Jordan Peele. I can remember a few years back when this was a big signing point between him and Universal to remake this. And I think putting a woman as the director here might have forecast this as uh, leaning into the gothic romance element of the original. And I feel like, and one thing that people have come away with as a slight, oh, I was I, that wasn't what I was expecting, was there really is no gothic romance to no, be found in this version. No, he, he, the Anthony who basically becomes the new candy man already has a partner yeah and and there's no other you know no other you know woman predominantly in his life other than his mother right who is played by vanessa williams and um for whatever reason like when i saw vanessa williams in the trailer i was like oh oh fun okay there's like a there's at least a connection but I did not put two and two together. Really? I, I guess, I guess that I guess, Oh, I, I guess he's the baby from the first one. For whatever reason. And 
I don't know why this is, but there are, I blank out at the ending of Candyman. It's always a surprise to me that there's a bonfire involved. Really? I, every time I watch it. That's a really, just, that's a really, that's such a, that's such a dramatic moment. I agree, but I get so freaked out by all the, like the parking lot scene. And when she's in with the psychiatrist and he gets yanked out the window and the killing her boyfriend, you know, in the apartment. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's right. At the very end though. So you, you, yeah. you remember that, but you don't remember the bonfire. I don't know. I don't know why. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I I don't know. Uh, no one who has tuned into this show for a while now doesn't know I'm kind of a dum-dum. So <laughs> it's not the first stupid move I've ever made. Uh, but no, I, I did not. I did not forecast him being that baby. It Well, you know, it, it's interesting because ultimately they don't really do a lot with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of I, I'm not sure I really dug the idea of that he was always destined to become the next Candyman. I, I don't know how yeah. I feel about that. I, I feel yeah. that 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 feels a little hokey to me. Yeah, because I don't feel like. Does that mean all the other Candymen were predestined? I don't think so. No. I, I, the the whole idea of a cyclical repeat of the same, uh, you know, white supremacist power structure constantly knocking down those who try to rise above, or just have the bad luck of being noticed by white people in power. Um, that to me feels like that's an idea that there's not a candy man, there's candy men and candy men dollar sign. Um, and here's what, here's what I, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 please. Here's what I thought was going to happen. Um, and and they did not actually take this route and then maybe in retrospect, I'm kind of glad they didn't do that either. Uh, because then it goes back into how so many horror movies in which black characters are, are, are predominantly featured. You depict them being made to suffer mm-hmm. is I thought that when Clive, the dealer and his assistant slash possibly underage girlfriend, uh, when they are killed, when they are killed, they're killed in front of a piece that Anthony created in an art show. I thought that he, it was going to be immediately assumed by the police that he did it. Yeah. And that he was somehow going to be killed or beaten or or mistreated in some way. And then that kind of turn, gradually turns him into the new Candyman. But here it's sort of like, oh, he was always meant to be. And I'm like, mm, I don't know about that. Yeah. I. This is... This because the movie is coming with this barrage of ideas and and certain things I'm a very appreciative of like uh, Tiana Paris's character uh, Brianna is not a mere girlfriend right she has this past in which she saw her father kill herself he was an artist she's found herself in her own repeating pattern where now she is a girlfriend to another tortured artist. And, and basically supporting him in that yes. very in, the, in that luxurious apartment, right? And and, and he they calls are const- hours, but he didn't contribute to. Yes, and they are constantly reminded of this by her brother. Yes, um, who I love. And, he's my favorite yeah, oh, character no, in the whole great. movie. Yes, Nathan Stewart and, Jared. And I'm so glad that that he was not killed off. I, I again, that that's a where a point where the movie zags on you a little bit. Is yes. is, is is he's the comic relief? You know, his his 
you know, he's sort of the voice of reason up to a certain point. But he's never put in danger. He's not no, even put he's, in danger. No, no, he's there at no point is, you know, is he ever even confronted with, he, he, you know, he doesn't actually even believe in Candyman. Yeah. I mean, he will by the end of the movie, you know, but, but you know, he's never, he never, he's never personally confronted with him. And so the, and as you know, we kind of alluded to the, the vast majority of the victims here in the movie are white, but they, there is there <laughs> to the point. <laughs> well, I'll get to that later. Um, but it is revealed that uh, William Burke, the uh, played by Coleman Domingo, uh, who I think at a certain point kind of starts to steal this movie uh, unbeknownst to anyone else. He oh, just, yeah. There's not, there's not a single, there's not a single false note in any of the performances in this movie. Hmm. I'll I'll note some later on, but well, okay, fine. We learn um, in his backstory not only did he uh, unwittingly get one version of Candyman killed, which was not his fault. He reacted out of fear, uh, but it turns out that his big sister had summoned a Candyman at some point, and she had been killed in the bathroom. So it's not it, it once again kind of flops into if. If the point of Candyman is this avenging force, but why is he, it doesn't matter who calls him, you know, I don't, it, it's, it flips and flops on this idea and it's not consistent. And I don't need it to be, but I was left a little, oh, okay. So is he, is he uh, sort of tipping Anthony into becoming the new Candyman as revenge as continuance does he believe he's the summon he's the grand summoner of Candyman? that i don't quite i'll have to ruminate on that i'm not saying that question is bad i just haven't personally found the answer to it well i i think it may also be a you know you can interpret it any way you want to mm-hmm. yeah i mean obviously very- obviously you know he has carried around you know a veritable lifetime of guilt over over getting the uh the last Candyman you know beaten beyond recognition and right. and you know and some level of guilt and fear and terror over his sister getting killed and I mean I think he's just you know a little nuts <laughs> sure yeah you know just because he he comes off as you know fairly calm and rational when Anthony first meets him but I I think he may also know who Anthony he may also know who Anthony is. Yes, that's all. You know, what he does, what he does say, you know, what he does kind of start a little bit when like, when, when he says, oh, I'm Anthony McCoy. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, oh, you're finally here. Okay. So he's always been connected to this loop, maybe. Right. And I, and I feel like, you know, he feels now why he doesn't want to make himself into Candyman. I'm not sure. I mean, to me, that would be like, yo, yo, the ultimate power. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he feels like if he could turn someone else to him, that he, he can control him. Yes. Um, that plan does not work out very no. well for him because no. uh, Brianna uh, pens him in the face many, many, many times. Oh my God. Yeah. She stabs <laughs> the shit out of him. <laughs> and, but she's right too. This guy, oh, of course. Yeah. 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 No, she just I, saw this little... guy saw off her boyfriend's forearm and shove a hook in there. Oh God! Yeah. Oh, we should probably mention, and I actually did tell uh, a mutual friend of ours about about this. Number one, there's a lot more body horror in in this oh, than, yeah. than 
than there was in the first one, but I think there was none body horror. Well, I mean, he opens up his chest, at, you know, and bees come out. Well, okay, okay. There, there's, but, there, there's a little bit there, but here it makes some very specific references, including Cronenberg's fly. Yes, yeah, like, which I, the, one of the few moments I had to look away from the screen, I'm like, oh shit, he's doing fingernail shit, fuck. And, and, when, <laughs> and when Anthony is revealed at the end of what has happened to him as the result of this this bee sting and there are these tiny holes it's supposed to look like it's supposed it's supposed to look like a bee he basically looks like he has a beehive growing out like like, yeah trypophobia if uh if you have trypophobia uh this is gonna be a rough watch this is gonna be a tough tough hoe for you to row because because i i i wouldn't say i call it a phobia it does make me a little nauseous and sweaty and, and I was feeling very nauseous and sweaty during the yeah, scene. Yeah, I can't. Re- I can't remember what discussion we were having, but someone ha- had mentioned that at some point years ago, and I stupidly said, "Let me what look is this that? up." And then it was shown many examples of it, and I said, "I'm so very fucking sorry." I asked. <laughs> this- you, ever, you ever see? You ever see a? You ever see a lotus flower pod? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. It just, I was like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And yeah, that was a, a newer element that, the, you know, he is be- basically like his arm begins to die in real time. Well, what I <laughs> thought like was weird clock. was that like nobody really commented on it, which I, I thought was a little disconcerting, but you know, that had to have been on purpose. Like, yeah. like, like at one point, like he goes to visit his mother who he's mostly estranged from, uh, and he's gotten his, uh, presumably where he's injured himself by pulling his fingernail off. Fuck. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, what'd you do to your arm? It looks bad. But meanwhile, like his face is all like starting to look like, like, like a burn victim, but also it's kind of like a, Dude, he's growing like a like like almost like honeycombs in it. Yeah, it's beginning like to the, look like cheesecloth on one he, side of his body. Right, yeah. and he goes to like the the emergency room. The doctor doesn't really comment on it. I'm like, okay, maybe can other people not see this? Well, I think we might be going into territory that is yet another idea that this film is is dabbling in but not fully pursuing, which is ignoring black pain. Which Yo, is a, that's. Oh, I like that. Uh, again, this movie has a plethora of ideas. It's not for a lack of ideas, but it's only 90 minutes long. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, at least it has ideas. So many movies we see don't. Yeah, and, I, I, yeah. And I think that's another, you know, if you want to see it that way, fine. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I, I had not thought of that. That's I now I can now that makes a lot of sense. Yes. And I wonder if after time I'll come up with more theories and I would love to see this movie again now knowing where it's going to sort of see it through that lens uh, but I teased it once before um, about performances I didn't quite buy and here's a sequence that I did not quite buy and that is the teenage girls at their college prep saying Candyman into a mirror <laughs> all of the, this entire crew this entire sequence I was like I don't know I I don't know. Oh come on! You don't think you, my my kid pointed out that she could see people doing this on TikTok? You you don't think that like what part of this no, did no. you not did you not buy? I did not buy their performances. I didn't buy that they. I I would absolutely buy that they do it, 
but I, it's like they're actors out of a different film. They just don't seem real to me. I it's do, not I, the scenario. I, I did love the when they they're about halfway through doing it and like 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 a, like the window slam shut the and one girl just like like she's like oh fuck this and just walked out I'm like that would be me <laughs> the one Asian American out of the crew the one yes. non-white person runs like fuck right. this I, the, the, I've gotten the, close to this as I'm possibly going to get I'm right out. I mean the biggest laughs in the audience were from non-white characters commenting on how they just don't do this kind of shit yeah like like the like the biggest the biggest laugh was when um uh brianna tiana phillips's character opens up a door and like looks down a flight of stairs but, like a dark basement and she's like nope and just like walks away <laughs> <laughs> and like you're darn right nope i'm not being that stupid come on and i think and i think that's something that that jordan peele and and, and that i'm as adverse adverse to anyone else to call you a jordan peele film but he did co-write it Yes. And I think that that is something he comments a lot on his in his movies. I would bring you back to the movie Us, that which we mm. did an episode on, uh, whatever that came out three years ago, twelve years ago. Jesus, time has no meaning anymore. <laughs> yeah, time is elastic at this point. Yes, one of my favorite scenes because it felt so real and so relatable to me is uh, when when the tethered first show up at uh, the main character's house and they're just sort of standing out there like holding hands and you know the the, the husband uh is well let me go out and check and 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 then lupita nyango starts sort of walking backwards she's like she's she's like uh-uh uh-uh oh. <laughs> it's just, and it's like such a real reaction like like you're just gonna be like nobody acts like terrified people in a lot of horror movies yeah you know they, they have these bizarre you know, you know, moments of bravery where they they are gonna walk down that that the that dark stairwell into a basement they've never been in before, and and this character's like, nope. <laughs> it's like finally somebody's doing something rational. <laughs> I mean, the one thing we know, you know, after the fact about that particular scene is that Lupita Nyong'o's character, Adeline, um, yeah, that. She's saying no, 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 because she does know who those people in red are. <laughs> right. But at the time, we don't know that. Yeah. But, but, but her, it's still her, a rational reaction both ways, which right. once again, like, why are you one going of the reasons out why there? Us is a fucking amazing movie. Right. It's like, why would you go out there? You don't know who those people are. And again, I, I feel that that is a commentary on, you know, the sort of unearned. Well, no, it is very much earned boldness of white people. Yes. You know, I mean, you if you well, no, you 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 probably would because you're a smart person. But well. if you were at home and you just saw somebody standing in your driveway, you know, you're not going to go out there and well, I don't know. Would you go out there and confront them? I mean, would you would you feel safe thinking I'm a white man? This is my house, so I'm going to go out there and, and you know you know see what's up with this person. No, I have. Okay. Yes. Uh, one now. Uh, there's a feature in our particular neighborhood, which is not very common in a lot of suburbs, in which uh, the way these particular houses were built, they were meant to have walled enclosures of your yard. Now it's optional, but you're allowed to wall off the enclosure. When we first bought the house, um, that wall ended, and a an iron gate with just a latch would allow you access to our house. And what we discovered uh, after we bought the place and started renovating was a guy 
had been in the past living in the backyard because he just popped the gate open and walked into the backyard. And so when he arrived, once we moved in, uh, I saw him from uh, the office in our little skinny window open. I'm like, I don't know that guy. And I went out and I said, excuse me, you don't belong here. And he's like, oh, I must have forgotten. Uh, but I live here. <laughs> no, you don't. Oh, my God. Be I would be leaving. I would be if, if somebody said that, like if I said, what are you doing here? And he'd be like, I live here. I just urine everywhere. <laughs> I would well, just, I'd be like, well, goodbye. And like, you know, go back in the house and, you know, lock every door and put a chair in front of the door and put the grandfather clock I don't have in front of the door. Because <laughs> well, that's that to also me. In, you are also living in New York City where there are, it takes a lot of, a lot of levels to get where you are. Whereas the wonderful thing about the suburbs, talk about another beautiful white invention, is that. It's, you know, all open and airy and built to not be secure. So when this guy wandered in because he had wandered in for so long because our house had been empty for a year, like no one had noticed that this had happened. I just, I saw the guy, I knew the rest of my family was out there. You know, was I going to get into a fist fight with him? Probably not. But he also looked skittish enough that I knew if I actually questioned him, he knew that whatever ruse he had been, what whatever situation he had found himself in previously, it was over. And very quickly after that, we made the decision, oh, we're going to have to make some fixes to the way this Yeah, house is. it's like, we're going to need to put a moat in <laughs> with some crocodiles. Like my, crocodiles are not cheap, Gina, my, honestly. My, my ex-husband, who's one of my closest friends, he just bought a house recently and the house came with ring cameras installed mm. yeah and he was showing me you know, how it works and apparently like he had to change a setting on it um because he had a setting that you know if there was any kind of movement detected it would give him an alert um and then of course there's a lot of wildlife around where he lived so mm. literally like there was a skunk walking around in his front yard and it said hey there's something walking around your yard so he <laughs> changed it because it kept waking up in the middle of the night yeah so he says oh well, i changed it just so it detects human movement I'm like, that is the fucking ter- most terrifying thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And I don't know, I don't know how more hard movies don't incorporate ring cameras. Or, oh, I'm sure it's about to happen. It's, you know, be, just, it's so ubiquitous now. It's going to be. Yeah. There. I'm just like, you know, you're looking, you know, cause it's like almost like a sort of stop motion thing. So it takes a picture like every minute. Yeah. Of like of your yard. And I'm like, okay, like you've got some kind of like image, like, you know, somebody in the back of the yard. Now they're closer. Now they're closer. Now they're closer. Now they're closer. And then their face is right there. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to see my death coming across my, my, my lawn. Just make it happen quick. Oh my. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's uh, what I, I, love, I just about? love, I just love it. I love any horror movie that tries to treat the subject of that tries to become a discussion of the nature of being scared itself and Mm -hmm. how we, and how we can move through the world. You know, some of us can move through the world less scared and more sure of ourselves than others. And I think for you and me in this discussion, we just had, there's an element of you're a man. I'm a woman. I, and you are more comfortable, you know, walking out, 
into your onto your in front of your house and say, "What are you doing here?" Yes, where I don't think I'd feel that comfortable doing right. That. Yeah, yes, the experience and POV I think have a lot to do with both how the film is constructed and how people are reacting to it and the level of ideas that it has going on. And it, it just, it has a lot of stuff and yeah. the vast majority of it, I really found interesting and thought provoking and uh, a lot of, you know, turning the, honestly, turning the mirror <laughs> towards myself as a person who uh, shouts his perspective into a microphone and blasts it all over the place uh, every week um, about what that does, what I say, how, how my POV might be elevated uh, over other voices simply because my standing in society and how damaging that can be. But it also, in my estimation, does not ever take me off the hook. And I'm, right. re- I'm really okay with this. Right. I think that for a, being a pretty straightforward horror movie with, with, you know, folk horror and slasher elements to it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's, you know, up, it's comparable, it, it, it's comparable in, in sheer ambition as, you know, the lighthouse as, as hereditary of just trying something different with, yes. with horror. And using a, a city like Chicago as more than just window dressing. Now, if you're in Chicago and you have these lived experiences, you might have a different opinion of that. So again, I am the outsider here. I am the observer. I am not involved. And so uh, if someone has an opposite idea of that uh, because of that lived experience, I just have to accept that because uh, that that can absolutely be true. And I think there's a lot of opinions here that can absolutely be true of Candyman. I think it can disappoint some people and other people be really excited about what they've just experienced and all those experiences being pretty damn valid. You know, pretty sensitive as far as horror movies go. Mm-hmm. While, while also, like, I, I, you know, Anthony is a very tragic character who who you know, beats with an ending that is both powerful and tragic. Now, the whole time I'm wondering, you know, as far as uh, this movie is concerned, when Tony Todd is going to show up. Right. It's, yeah, I didn't want to, pre- I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say that in the, in the non-spoiler because right, it is, yeah. it is, it is a very end of the movie. Yeah. Oh, look, there he is. Yes. Uh, and I, I wondered if they were going to do it at all because up until that point, like there's not, they don't, they, they share a lot of things, but in terms of thematics, they're really going for different dynamic, you know, they're going for different conversations. Like, like I said, it it does a good job of sort of, you know, threading the original into it, but it can still stand alone as, as as, as its own story. At one point I was wondering if, the many candy men idea was going to be this thing where whoever became obsessed with the idea of candy man, it was always a different candy man because there was always going to, because of the cycle of violence there, that there was always going to be a new candy man. And so therefore 
this new Candyman is no, is not eradicating anything that came before. It's just this constant, ever changing, you know, presence. Well, that- I love I love the shot at the end of the movie where uh, Brianna is still in the back of the cop car, mm-hmm. and Anthony is now in full. Candyman form, uh, which I also really like how he's depicted as sort of like a swarm of bees kind of forming a person, which Mm -hmm. I I thought that was, I thought that was really, really well done, but he's sort of circling and like in his reflection, like his image keeps changing. Like, Mm -hmm. like what, what he looks like is like a, like his, I guess you, for lack of a better, his human version. Yeah. Sort of changes as he's going around, as he's circling around the card. I, I really like how that's done. And so when he does sort of appear as a visage at the end, I thought that was a neat way to do it where it doesn't invalidate anything. But if you were completely new to it, you would kind of have the cultural knowledge that that was the original Candyman because Tony Todd is so recognized for that performance. And as well as it should be, because it's legendary. It's just, uh, I think we said it at the time and I don't think the general public ever heard our Candyman episode because it was for patrons uh, on our Patreon feed. And, uh, but uh, that first film, that Bernard Rose film is such a, an amazing Gothic romance. And I think I said at the time, like there's Dracula and there's Candyman. And for me, they're on the same level of oh, 100%, 100%. this Gothic romantic figure where you can't decide, am I frightened or do I want to fuck? They give you that option. <laughs> And yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Yeah, he's just that charismatic and alluring. Uh, and I also don't feel like the f- movie objectifies him in any sort of way. He's just presented as this thing you can't deny. And, you know, no matter, he's been called and now he's here and you want him and you want to get away from him, but you can't decide which. And, so that is a very different vibe than what we're getting in this one. Yeah, yeah, and totally. So we we at least um, you know get a couple of sequences. One when his backstory is told, uh, and and the other at the end of the film when he uh, appears. Uh, although we do never get a "Be My Victim." Uh, if if you're looking for that, I don't believe it happens. What, what happened? We talked about, oh, oh, okay. So we talked about a little bit. We alluded to the the opening of the film, but I have to say it again. The, the, the opening credits of this are shot upside down where the skyscrapers of Chicago disappear into the clouds above it. And it's just one of the craziest, most amazing images I've ever seen. In, in, a, in a really long time. It's just gorgeous and haunting and it feels unnatural and beautiful at the same time. We pass by one building in particular where I was like, is that a child's play reference? Because it looks like the corner apartment from child's play. I mean, why not? And I was just I, immediately after that, I'm like, I'm fucking into this. And then we get to the critic murder which is in that, in that uh, there are two of those apartment buildings right along the river there in Chicago that have, uh, that all have these balcony outlooks and they're just completely circular and they almost kind of look like a weird kind of hive as it were. And she manages to summon Candyman, uh, but we don't, we never see it. 
And then uh, Anthony uh, sees him, sees Candyman in the mirror, freaks himself out and leaves the apartment. And as he does, the camera begins to pull back out of her apartment. We begin I to love see- it. I love it. I actually was waiting for an Exorcist 3 homage. Um... I expected Candyman to come kind of darting out from another room <laughs> towards her. And instead, we don't see him at all. Yes, that is the new element, is we really never see Candyman perform these murders. He's invisible. Uh, to, except, in re- except in reflections. Yes. So he's sort of, that. that's the only purview in which you catch him, is in reflections. Uh, and the camera pulls out, and she's killed and sort of torn, her neck is torn, and her artery spray catches along the window, uh, out, you know, along her balcony. And it perfectly mimics the paint line that Anthony makes when he starts to paint the many candy men. Right. And uh, it just it's such an it's such an interesting angle, not angle, just to have it pulled out so far. Yeah. And I and I just thought I I'm I've honestly don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. It's very I, I think this movie is trying a lot of different stuff. And so it's it, it certainly delivers a plenty of kills if that's what you're going for. And it has a lot of great mood. We just talked about the exorcist and the sound design in that and seeing this in a movie theater really highlights the sound yes. design here, which yes. is top notch. 100%. You know, there's only so much you can do at home to replicate that sort of thing. And, you know, I saw it in the, biggest screen I possibly could get just so I can isolate myself. But the benefit of that is I'm getting, you know, 8.11.1 sound. And so every creak, every AC, every, every vibration is all coming across to me. And it's like, oh, okay, this is why you go to the movies because they're putting all that movie stuff into this. Yes. I don't think it's that much of a leap here for Nia DaCosta uh, because her, the previous film that I saw from her uh, was Little Woods. And while that is not really supernatural at all, um, there is an, there is a constant mounting tension to it um, because of the plot, because of the performances. And here she's definitely able to replicate that style into a full-blown horror movie. Yeah, I, I hope that she sticks with horror because she seems to have a natural flair for it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, she's all over the place because obviously she's done smaller stuff, but that's how the vast majority of directors start here. Her next film, uh, she's sticking with Tiana Paris because she's doing the Marvels for uh, basically Captain Marvel 2. For Oh, that's MCU. right. That's right. Yeah, that's I completely forgot about that. Yeah. So well, that, that and I know she's a too. hardcore. She like she does love those movies. Um and um uh, I don't want to tell <laughs> on her, but I, I'm listening to Blank Check right now because they're they're handling uh John Carpenter and she was the guest for the fog. Now, the fog is it top tier carpenter? Uh no. Uh, do I, mean, I I I, lo- I love it. I love it too, but I also feel like, and even he will admit, like there's a lot of unsuccessful stuff that happened in the fog because he re- basically remade a third of it 
by himself. And well, yeah, saw the yeah, first yeah. version of the film said this doesn't work and tried to rescue it. So it's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're telling tales out of school here. Even he admits that it's not perfect. But one of the comments she made, which <laughs> I just had to put my my head in my hand, was like, "There's not a lot of, you know, really super original horror happening right now." And I'm like, "Ooh." And it's uh, like that is quantifiably untrue. <laughs> yeah, that actually that that actually you know will that's a good segue in a moment to something else I wanted to bring up. Yeah, well, let's get right into it. I will only say that I have uh, listened back to many episodes and found something that I said that in the moment I said with the full confidence of my, you know, being a middle-aged white man uh, to be wrong. So we're all allowed that. So <laughs> Nia, she is allowed to make mistakes. She is allowed to have different opinions and we should be celebrating the great movie we got out of her, which is Candyman. But please continue. I was going to say that when I saw the movie today, uh, mm. I had the, the, the rare double cherries moment of every, <laughs> of every trailer before the movie being for a movie that I it was already either was already either was already interested in seeing mm-hmm. or was interested in seeing after seeing a trailer. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can recall off the top of my head what I got. Uh, yeah, I'm trying got, to look for your message here because I think you denoted it. I got. Um, oh no, I, I did. I said I mentioned on Twitter. I yeah. got uh, Antlers, which like oh, yeah. which like Candyman has been about to come out for the past two years now, and has unfortunately been a victim of the pandemic. Yes. Uh, I got uh, uh, tight tight Titan. Yes, the, the, I didn't get that one. Weird, I wish I had because I've weird only seen French it horror movie. Yeah, um, I got Lamb. Uh, oh, which, I didn't get that one. Uh, I got Halloween Kills. Yes, I got that one. And I got Last Night in Soho. Edward Edward which, uh, Edward Edgar Wright. Jesus, Edgar yes. Wright's you know mostly straightforward looking horror movie. And ends in, in here's the thing about Edgar Wright. <laughs> Is that guy knows how to sell a movie. You can tell that he cuts his own trailers because he makes moves that you're like, you know how to do this because it's like directorial voice in marketing when it ends on her in the cracked glass and other parts fading on it. You're just like, Oh, that you're telling me, you know, exactly the kind of movie you're making. Right. You're selling me that movie. Yeah. It's basically Edgar Wright does Giallo and I am, I am 150% ready for it. I, I am 100% ready for all of these movies. All of them look incredible to me. And we are in just such a good era for horror right now. It's in, right. you know, With the exception just, of they, Halloween Kills, these are all pieces of original fiction. Like, I know Antlers comes from a short story from Nick Anacosta. But he he knows how to fucking make a scary story. And Yeah, I, I read of, the story and it, and it seems like it's kind of only loosely based on it yeah but what what they seem to have created from it looks very compelling i would agree with that the only thing that i got that you didn't seem to get is james wan's malignant which speaking of giallo also completely looks like a giallo we've got a woman who sees a black figure killing people and it 
and she but she see she's getting psychic visions of it and it's it it's got that James Wan the background is liquid and changes thing which you know sometimes works uh and I put insidious in there and sometimes doesn't um but it's it's a swing man and i am down for a swing and james wan has certainly earned it so i'm totally down for that one as well yeah it's, it's everything just looks um, i'm like i'm like well i guess i'm going to the movies at least five more times before the end of the year <laughs> yes and you know i hope we all get to go and go more often because i love going to the movies and this was a great example of why going to the movies is the best way to experience this. Yes, a guy six rows below me decided to check CNN in the middle of this fucking movie. But it's still the better way to do this. You, you, you can't pause it. You can't walk away from it. It is the best. It is the best sound. It is the biggest screen. And God, I really miss going to the movies, and I'm glad that, that my first time back, I got to see something as cool as Candyman. Yes. Yeah. This is my this is my fourth time going back to the theater since everything opened up. But this is up there. This is this and the Green Knight are are the the, the best of that four. Yeah, I can believe that uh, wholeheartedly. I can't wait to check that one out. Um, so that I think pretty much does it. Um, uh, it's, do you want to play Choose Your Own Death Venture? I mean, it's all, you know, do you want to get slashed? Do you want to get slashed? Do you want to get slashed? Or do you want to get slashed? And I guess shot by the cops at the end, but that's not really <laughs> an appropriate death for, for me, a tiny white woman to choose. So uh, it- <laughs> I honestly really liked the critic's death. I thought that was pretty incredible. Yes. I, someone who I very often, I don't always agree with their opinions, but I do find them to be a very good writer. Had said that like, it wasn't messy enough, and it was it was too slick. And I'm like, I don't know. I winced <laughs> at all of it. I I, just, I found it very dangerous and uh, very scary and uh, profound towards the end. And uh, <laughs> okay, you know what? The world is full of different opinions, and we're okay with that here at Kill by Kill. You don't take any of that shit to Twitter, though. No, no. Nuance has uh, no uh, parlor there, uh, but it does here, at least uh, for the time being and, and until uh, we are canceled, uh, hopefully in, in the next uh, three to four weeks, because it got a lot of shit going on. Anyways, um, before we go, Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write for uh, Spool.net. I cover television and movies. Uh, actually, I will be, you just mentioned the movie Malignant. I will be mm-hmm. reviewing that. Ooh, uh, look forward I, to it. I also expect to be doing a, uh, a 40th anniversary retrospective on one of my favorite camp classics, Mommy Dearest. Oh, you, oh yeah. You, you want to talk horror movies? There you go. <laughs> am I right? Um, and I am on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today, people. Check it out. You can, of course, find us on all the social handles. You can join our Patreon. We have a t-shirt shop where we have lots of cool things for you to wear. You can put them on anything, stickers, mugs, your chest, a hat, 
the it's endless and it's all up to you and we appreciate it uh more good things are coming your way next week we'll we'll back uh, this week we kind of uh took the dish by dish slot but that's just the way the cookie crumbled when it came to release date uh but next week we will be back with both episode 12 and episode 13 i believe of uh Hannibal season two which has been a lot of fun and uh, those two episodes are excellent examples of that amazing show and then we'll have lots of cool stuff coming to you including more exorcists that's right we're not giving it up the amount of research i've put into exorcist 2 uh, is probably the most i've done for any film so far <laughs> wow it's yeah i needed to know some things about exorcist 2 the heretic and you will find out what that is when we do that episode as well until then for myself and for gina bye-bye everybody bye